Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Around Leeds, there are rumours of a list that exists deep in one of Victor Orta's many notebooks. On that list, there are a large number of players broken down per position on the football pitch, all of whom are potential replacements who can be brought in at Leeds United should the need arise. Hello and welcome to Orta's List, a new series on All Stats, aren't we, which is dedicated to scouting footballers around the world in a bid to create our own version of Victor Orta's List. I'm John McKenzie and I'll be joined throughout this series by All Stats, aren't we's very own Josh Hobbs. And as always, scouted football and Leeds Live's own, but also a little bit our very own too, Joe Donoghue. Joe, how are you doing? I'm very good, John. Thank you very much. It's good to be back on number three. They say third time lucky, so maybe I'll, uh, we'll, we'll actually sign this player this time. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully hopefully another good episode I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and you're really putting us to shame with your uh, Brazil <laughs> shirt there. We look really stayed in, in comparison. Original though, I just thought I'd put on a bit of colour tonight. So, yeah, I uh, thought I'd thought I'd impressed and a half after a minute. So, you know, fair, fair play. You look like you're straight off the five-a-side pitch. So, you can only imagine that's where you've been. I'd, I'd, I'd look a lot worse if I'd just come from playing five-a-side. I'd be rosy-cheeked and and whatnot, and probably a lot a lot more swearing um, would be would be coming out of my mouth just because of uh, how unfit I am after a year of lockdown. But yeah, it's um yeah it's a good little five-a-side number. I'll give you that. <laughs> Josh Hobbs, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well. I I wasn't uh, swayed from wearing a hat even after the bullying from uh, from Guy last time, but here I am, ready to go. It was Chris Wilder, wasn't it? Who was wearing the baseball <laughs> cap? Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so just to lay out the format of these shows so you know what we're getting what you're getting into we're going to spend the next hour talking about central midfielders who are a little bit more attacking we'll begin by talking briefly about the position itself and what we're looking for from a central midfielder in a Marcelo Bielsa system and then we'll reveal our four potential targets before profiling each one we'll end the show by talking valuation and close by picking our best option in the position for those wondering we're going to use five yards as our platform to scout and buy players Five Yards is an online transfer market for fans where you can prove you can spot talent. Their prices reflect nicely those of the current market and there are some great reports on there uh, too to help us inform our decisions. So last time we bought Bubakari Sumare for $26 to go with the 18 we spent on Romain Perrault and that leaves us with $56.1 million to spend. So I'll just uh, throw up our squad here. So this is a squad as we've got it so far and this is the money that we've got left. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, what, should, what we'll do first is we'll do the big reveal. The big reveal. It's exciting. So these are the four players that we have chosen. And um, 
there will be gasps in the audience i think when we when we pull this one up so do prepare yourself but here's the uh four players that we've selected to go through this <laughs> this uh this week no surprises here in the Emiliano Buendia is the first one there, uh, a player that I think all three of us have probably talked about a lot uh, in, in recent months. Michael Elise of Reading, those of you who know Josh and follow him on Twitter will have seen, no doubt, the uh, propaganda he puts out there. Uh, Romain Fevre, which who is a player at rest like Romain Perrault, who is uh, again being touted a lot in the same breath as Leeds United. And then Chelsea footballer Conor Gallagher who is currently alone to West Bromwich Albion um, I think the thing the elephant in the room here is that we haven't mentioned Rodrigo de Paul who has become something of a uh, of a hero amongst the Leeds fan base Josh we decided not to pick uh, Rodrigo de Paul why was that yeah um I'm, I'm, I want to see if there's any comments <laughs> coming in about this but yeah um I think we just decided uh, based on the fact that the club have seemed to really try and distance themselves from this. Um, something even came out today um, from Phil Hay and David Ornstein, where they, where they were talking a bit about Rodrigo de Paul, <laughs> about, about Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, and Phil was saying he just doesn't think it's going to happen. He says he's asked the club a few times. We know Joe uh, through... Um, through Leeds Live, uh, I'm sure you've had similar conversations with the club. Um, but yeah, you go, mate. Yeah, I was just going to say there's there's nothing that sort of that we've heard that has been any sort of any different to to what what Phil here has been reporting there at the Athletic. You know, it, it it's one that I think that it just never got off the ground. Um, and I think the sort of the the fan storm that was generated um, sort of surpassed the the actual interest that was that was there in the first place so um yeah that, i think that was that was my input for t- to the decision but uh, yeah it was definitely a, if you're looking for two guys to blame it's it's these guys right here <laughs> for not uh, not including rodrigo de paul i think uh, we we decided we decided in the yeah as dan's said there um he everyone's talked about him for months and months so let's talk about some some different players um that i mean we could say that maybe he would he wouldn't work that well in, in our midfield uh, that that might upset some people <laughs> upset some people just because i think we could be wide open uh, with him in our midfield um he's been better at pressing uh in the past than it than he has been uh this season but it would be interesting to try and imagine how the midfield would work i think some people have just presumed he would just drop in and be incredible um maybe he would but i I don't think we should presume that and um it's i i think all of these players could could work so Hmm. for sure i don't think it's it's obvious that uh, Rodrigo de Paul would would work in the lead system he plays quite a different system obviously Udinese and um you, you know we've seen what's happened with Rodrigo this season to know that it's you, you can you can think about scalability all you want but you know you've really got to have someone who's going to be good at pressing in in this in the um in the midfield and I think that's what we've been looking for a lot uh something certainly we'll talk about a lot tonight who's going to be able to fulfill the obligations that the press are expected um and 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 so let's get on to I think talking about um the 
caveats that we've got in terms of what we need to be talking about in terms of an attacking central midfielder. So, Josh, do you want to talk us through this again? Uh, what are we looking for in an attacking central midfielder in the, in the eight position? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, um, this player is, they're replacing the hole that Pablo's going to leave uh, in the squad. I think we all sadly know that he's he's going to go and um I mean, he hasn't really contributed to this season as it is. Um, but what he used to bring uh, to Leeds and what he still does when he does come off the bench uh, is he's a he's a genuine playmaker. Uh, so he gets lots of touches on the ball, um, plays a lot of through balls, uh, high output for expected assists. Uh, he's not so much as he used to, but bit of ball carrying so from these guys uh, all of these guys can carry the ball really well which I think is important to have that through the middle of the pitch this player needs to be able to dovetail well um, with Rafinha who's obviously carrying a lot of our uh, creative burden at the moment um, and this means sort of positionally how they're gonna work with him because he operates in quite a lot of the spaces that um, a 10 might might also want to operate in. Uh, and at the very least, they need to have scalable output when it comes to pressing. Um, some of these are better than, than others, but I think we think they can all do, do that job. Hmm. Uh, Joe, I'll just quickly come to you on this one, because I think one of the interesting things about this position is that when we talk about replacing Pablo, we're talking about... Uh, replacing a player who was the creative outlet for us for for a long time, and now we've got Rafinha on the same side that we play the the more attacking uh, number eight. So I guess I'm I'm kind of interested in just the whole idea of creativity when it comes to this player. Like what what kind someone like Mateus Click is someone who people don't really think of as being that creative, but for me he's a sort of volume creative play. He, he's he's just always constantly in dangerous positions he picks the ball up and, and and moves it on progresses it um i think with you know with with someone like pablo he's a bit more of a quality rather than a quantity um creator he's going to create those really really good chances that mm. uh, can result in goals so I'm, I'm interested to to sort of get your take on this like how important is the creative aspect for this position given that you know as we've as we've said rafinha is doing a lot of creative work for us and what sort of creativity are you wanting to look for in in a player in this eight position um if as we're talking about the you know the pressing aspect is pretty important as well well, I think first and foremost, you know, you, you've got to think about a player who, who's going to be capable of joining the forward line quite quite comfortably, quite seamlessly. I think that's why um, Rodrigo was brought in, because obviously he has that comfort of playing further forward, but he also has the creative output. And I think we've seen this season, um, you know, before he got his injury um, and, and before he sort of had his, his issues with, with COVID and whatnot, you know, he was he was up there in terms of sort of, you know, his expected assists were, were, were top, essentially. Uh, and and Matthias Click is is never far behind. I think Rafinha has surpassed them both now, but that's purely on a you know on a on a minutes basis. You know he's just played more than them both. Um, sorry, more than Rodrigo, but um, has played in a more adv advanced position than Click. Um, but I think w what you were saying with Click is that yeah, I agree. He is a creative player. Um, I think the the, the short the shortcomings that we've seen from him this season are that you know he's he's coming up against world class players and it's becoming evident that he's not himself world class, um, which 
is not a slant to him whatsoever. It's rather just a reflection of the quality of a player who up until he was 28, 29, simply wasn't playing top level football. Um, I think with the players that we've selected here, um, there are there are a few who are, I mean, pretty much all of them have don't have that experience of elite level football or at the very least have a very small amount of it so I wouldn't see them being a, a complete replacement and and click sort of his role being usurped over the next six to 12 months but it will be a gradual process and it's just about adding options you know a first team option essentially but the pressing elements is very important of it I think you know we do think of these these two central midfields as no, as number 10 sometimes as well as number eights but I think the defensive qualities of a number eight are often you know un- underrated I think you're going to need to to cover the 11 12 kilometers per game in this system if you're playing in that role and you're going to be able to you're going to be expected to, to to pitch in with the defending you know the the passing up the passing over of the free man and and whatnot um when 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 teams break so there's going to need to be um some real defensive nous in in this player that that comes in in, in the center of midfield in the, the eight slash ten essentially hmm. well josh let's go to you first because you're going to kick off with your player who is uh first player which is emmy buendia who um as anyone who follows our channel will know, we often rave about. I think that comes down to the fact that with Buendia, you've got just elite both sides of that of that coin that we've talked about there, the the uh, um, output and the, the defensive work as well. So why don't you kick us off and, and talk to us a little bit about um, Buendia and what he offers? Yeah, so I think um, uh, what Joe was saying there, obviously about um, someone coming in uh, sort of a squad uh option um can play a lot of minutes but won't necessarily be guaranteed starter i feel my opinion buendia could come in and be guaranteed starter and play near enough every game i think out of all of these he's the one that uh that slots in sort of perfectly um he's 24 which i think i, I almost find that surprising because it feels like uh he's been around performing at a at a high level uh, for for a decent amount of time already. Um, obviously, Leeds fans will be aware of him uh, because we missed out on signing him uh, initially when he went to Norwich, uh, when we maybe could have picked him up uh, from cultural Leonesa. Uh, he then did really well uh, in the Premier League last year after Norwich were promoted. Uh, however, he got loads of assists and was one of the top creators in the league, but he didn't really get much goal output. I think he scored one goal in the Premier League, and I think that's why uh, he that coupled with a high price tag is why nobody sort of took a punt on him. But this season in the Championship, he's played 2,829 minutes, uh, scored 12 goals, uh, made 14 assists. Uh, I feel he's basically Pablo with a lot of pressing. Uh, and I want to illustrate that a little bit with um, some heat maps, if I can. Uh, so, uh, John, if you can put up, um, can you put up Rafinha's heat map first? Because he's, so he plays on the right for Leeds, a little bit of him on the left there as well. Um, but Buendia plays on the right for Norwich and he doesn't play anywhere like where Rafinha plays so if you John can you can you put Buendia so he's taken up way more central 
positions. Um, those of you listening to this but can't see it, uh, he's has a high amount of activity just outside the edge of the penalty area uh, in the center, also all the way out over to the left. And then if I can see uh, Hernandez from last season, really similar spaces, a little bit more uh, deeper areas as well uh, with Hernandez, but it, it basically looks very close to being the same. So even though Buendia is playing on the right uh, for Norwich, I feel he would play fine uh, in the central area for us, similarly to Hernandez. So his favourite move is basically coming uh, from the right uh, into a half space or that central area uh, where he can look to play through balls uh, in between fullback uh, and centre-back. And Pukki basically feeds off those. Um, I feel that Bamford would, would thrive uh, on those, I think he's done well with those this this season, and we haven't had that same player. Yeah, so John's just put up a a viz from an analytics FC uh, piece this week, and there's a um, that area in the middle. You guys can't can't see this if you're listening on the podcast, but there's an area in the middle uh, with blue, light blue uh, arrows, and that shows all the passes that he makes from central areas. Um, yeah, I think I think that's something that we're missing at the moment. Rafinha does that a bit, but not to the same volume uh, that that Buendia does. So he's also a really nice uh, dribbler. Um, he's not dribbling as much uh, in the Championship as he was. So last season in the Premier League, he was one of the top um, top players for dribblers, uh, averaging. 3.6 dribbles uh, per 90 with a 74% success rate. This season he's down at 1.7, which is about average for his position. Um, but Norwich is so much more ball dominant now. So he's not having to sort of carry the ball lots in transition. Uh, but that would be a weapon for us because obviously we transition quite a lot. Uh, and I would say we've only really got Rafinha, who's a good dribbler. I think Harrison tends to dribble in higher positions. Um, and he's added goals uh, this season. So uh, he's scoring a lot from outside of the box. Uh, he uses defenders really well to disguise where he's going to put the ball. He sort of just uses their bodies to block uh, the keeper's vision and just sweeps it into the corner. Um, I think that was really important for him to add that this season. I think it's taken him to another level uh, as a player because uh, he's now like a double threat of creativity uh, and goal scoring. And yeah, I, that's my case that he is the ultimate successor uh, for, for Pablo. John, you're on mute, mate. I'm just going to throw up an. I'm sorry about that. I'm just going to throw up another viz um, showing the um, the defensive actions that Buendia yeah. has made this season as well. Um, when you were talking before about him, like not having no worries whatsoever about his his pressing and describing him as Pablo Hernandez plus pressing. Uh, and then I didn't talk about his pressing, so that's bad from me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as you can see, like a, a really, really good presser of the ball, and um, I think he would slot into midfield no problem in in that regard. Um, Joe, I'll come to you. 
what what's your take on on Buendia? Um, I absolutely love Emi Buendia. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I, I just love his his low centre of gravity. He's got that little bit of an edge that I, that I think you you need. Um, and his link up plays quality. Um, the thing that we, I mean, I, I, seeing those heat maps there, it just kind of evoked an image in my head of of him playing as sort of the right hand sided um, number eight in in this lead system, but you know, taking part in those internal rotations with Ailing and Rafinha on that right-hand side. Um, that, I mean, that, you know, him being comfortable in those spaces, him being very comfortable receiving the ball um, in congested areas in between lines, as he has done for three seasons at Norwich, um, you know, that is going to be something which is going to be of, of, of incredible use to any team that he then he then goes to to play for. Um, so I think to sum him up, you know, he's, he's, he's industrious, but he's, he's very, very entertaining, and I like the 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 bit that, that Josh had to say there about you know the, the he's he's now essentially a dual threat. Um, you know, we, there was obviously the the there wasn't the goal uptake in the Premier League last season. I don't read into that very much. You know, Norwich's season tailed off pretty quickly. It was more of a you know we're going to go up, test the waters, but come down, retain the core of the squad, and and go up again stronger, which is exactly what's playing out here. Um, and yeah, what Claudio's saying there, his numbers are absolutely ridiculous, but he's been doing this for seasons. Um, I, I went through back through the archives, the scouted archives, and and found that um, in the 2018-19 championship season, uh, Buendia was the only player to, to average three tackles, two shot assists, which is key passes or chances created. Uh, I just don't like the terminology. Uh, and, and two shots per 90 in the championship. Um, so, you know, he's been doing this consistently he showed he can step up to the premier league you know he he was comfortably one of the best creators in a in a team that finished bottom let's not forget so i think the the question of whether you'd be able to broach the step up in quality no uh, no doubt whatsoever okay. i think the fact that he's an extremely hard worker that that i mean that's always going to go in his favor um and the fact that he does have that edge i think he would be able to up his I mean, not that he needs to up his pressing, but if he, if it was required, you know, he's constantly going to be there um, in in the in the middle third, in the final third, soon as Leeds forfeit possession, um, to trying to win it back. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very much in in Wendia camp uh, along there with Josh. So we've got a comment here from Luis de Villa who says the only issue with Wendia is that Norwich will probably request more than forty million. Not that he is not worth it, but probably too much for Leeds at the moment. So we'll talk about the valuation. Um, a little bit later on, um, but what, what's the general thinking on this, Josh, the, in terms of value? Yeah, um, what, what have we got him coming out coming out on? I've, I've got him at twenty eight million. Uh, yeah, so five that, That's what. Yeah, I guess that's maybe what a, a market value is, perhaps of an estimation of his worth. But I think it's correct that Norwich would probably. Uh, slap a higher price tag uh, because of what he's worth to them um, and he, he is their star um, I, I I think it, he is I'll lay my cards out <laughs> on the table really early on that he's my favourite um, however he may be the, the least attainable um, because uh, he, Norwich have every right to uh, price us out of it really I mean, even bigger teams than us might might be priced out of of signing Buendia. Hmm. Yeah, I guess the 
the big question with when it comes to Norwich is like how much are they willing to take for him? Because obviously their their whole model is based around this idea of of buying low and selling high. So I guess it's for them the question is how how they balance off his value with um the value that they think they'll give him in that he will give them in the Premier League next season. And I mm. think they would be willing to sell. But like you say, it would be it'd be the question of of how much that value yeah. was that was he, offered. He may never be worth as much as he's going to be worth this summer i i think um at least to them uh so and i i think um there is it weber their um supporting director yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure i read a piece that where he was interviewed in the athletic and he talked about the their stars that they'd that they'd kept for this season basically saying that that he, they'd kind of said to all of them if you get if we get a bid that is the the value that we want for you like we're not going to keep you um beyond your will next next season so uh they they're not afraid to be a selling club but um yeah it 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 they're still going to ask for a lot i think uh, we've got Matt Duncan saying so he has a lot of fouls does he get many cards i can actually throw that up because i think it's on this um yeah. Two red cards, and they were silly red cards. He does, he does. Yeah, that's one of the things. So he's a really intense player, as as Joe said. Um, but yeah, that that can spill over uh, sometimes. And I think one of the one of the reasons why uh, Leeds didn't go for him initially, and in, in the very first opportunity that we had to sign him, uh, was apparently because of discipline or attitude issues, um, which I think there probably are some on-field discipline issues that are just a bit of rashness, nothing mm. terrible. I don't, I don't see the discipline thing, but uh, sorry, the attitude thing. I think he's, he seems like a player who has an incredibly determined attitude. I think it is the intensity, as you were saying, Josh, you know, he's just a very, you know, you know, if, if he's getting booked, then it's not going to stop him flying into tackles again, which you can look at it from two ways. You can think it's a bit naive. Will he get, will he knock that out of his game? Or it's, you know, you, you're going to want that though in, in a player. You don't want somebody who's playing at 75% intensity because they're worried about a suspension. Mm. Um, and just interestingly enough, that uh, Buendia's missed, I think it's six games this season in the championship um, and four of them. Uh, have been six, seven games, sorry. Four of those matches uh, have been due to a red card suspension. Um, so, you know, he's, yeah, he, he definitely um, he definitely lives up to, in, to well, I mean, who would you say in this Leeds team in the intensity stakes? Uh, Alioski maybe, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, Calvin's always worth a, a silly red card, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think I, that's not enough for me to say that, right, I'm, I'm casting him off our list on a disciplinary issue. I think... his pros far far outweigh the cons yeah that's the thing for me is that people do talk about attitude and they do talk about discipline but I kind of think you would absolutely take Buendia this season right despite that you're taking any one of the last few seasons that he's had um so so no danger there I'm aware of the fact that we could very well talk about Emi Buendia for this whole podcast episode so I'm, I'm, I do think we should move on so the next player that we've got is uh, is Joe's player who you looked at um, Romain Fevre at, at Brest so uh, what is it that you made of, of Romain Joe? 
Well, it was quite good because I was able to watch Roman Perot and Roman Favre at the same time. So, you know, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. But um, yeah, I think he's, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Roman Favre, I think his most effective position in a Bielsa team would be as the the free one in a 3-3-1-3. You know, he's played, I mean, he starts out wide uh, for, for Brest, but, you know, he's, that's purely on a team sheet basis. You know, he when he when he plays wide, he works the channels in the central areas. When he plays centrally, he then works the channels and the wide areas. So he's he's a player who is very much all over the place. Um, not in term, not in a bad way, but in terms of just covering ground, which is you know the first big tick in in the box for for a number eight in this Leeds team. Um, one thing I was quite surprised with, at sort of watching him at length, was that. Uh, you know, he does have that ability to be, um, you know, a, v- a very creative player. But the thing I was surprised by was that he does also have the defensive aptitude, I think, to play as an eight. Um, I wouldn't be as concerned playing um, him and Rodrigo as opposed to, uh, say, for example, Rodrigo and Michael Alise, for example. Um, I think that Five definitely has the the defensive capabilities Um and the, the the big thing with him is that he's just a very very good ball carrier. And I know that we said in terms of you know with Rodrigo de Paul, you know that's one of his standout attributes as well, um, and that he's probably regarded as a little bit of a luxury. Um, I think Fav actually brings while his ball carrying is perhaps n- not as not as good, not to the same level as as RDP. I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, you know, he likes to to beat the man with a little touch to one side and then and then really go for it. Um, he creates a lot of shots for himself off the dribble. Uh, which I think we've seen with Rafinha this season, especially in that from that right-hand half space. You know, the, the goal that he scored against West Brom, um, similar t- sort of thing from the central area when he scored against Everton. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a very good player here. The only thing I'd, I'd say is that, um, you know, he's he's not got a great deal of experience. He signed for Brest for around 300,000, 400,000 euros uh, in last summer from Monaco because he hadn't really had too much top flight experience he's taken to that like a like a duck to water essentially but i just think you know is it, is it one of those where you're going to base you're going to spend upwards of 20 million euros on on a player who's got one season's worth of of you know first team football essentially to to back it up but yeah in terms of the creativity stakes you know i mean I mean, taking into account that he's quite literally everywhere on the pitch, across the middle third, across the attacking third, um, you know, he, he's got very good um, goal-creating actions and shot-creating actions, which suggests that he doesn't just have a sweet spot, like we see with some players. Um, you know, he's 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 not just going to seek out a certain area of the pitch to create from. Um, so that it shows that he's probably quite good at spotting opportunities wherever he is on the pitch, um, which I think... You know, just looking at the heat maps that we had up there for for Buendia, you know, just being good laterally across the face of the box, playing in between those lines, receiving under pressure. Um, yeah, and and in fact, I can't believe I've glossed over this. This wasn't the first thing I said, but his um he's he's averaging five shot creating actions per ninety, which is I think in the ninety ninth percentile of um of attacking midfielders across Europe's top five leagues. So that tells you that you know, in a team who aren't really dominant in possession, he's still creating pretty much consistently across the board, which I think is something to be very much encouraged by. And I think I'd, I'd implore anybody who's 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 thinking of, of Roma Favre as an option to, to definitely take a look at him if they can. Yeah, I've, I've been watching him a lot today, actually, and I've been I've not really watched him much before 
uh, today, and I've been really impressed with with what I've seen. Um, he strikes me as being pretty similar to to Emi Buendia in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's not at the level that Buendia is at in a lot of areas, but he's still really, really good in, in a lot of ways. Uh, like you say, he's really, again, something I really like in, in players when thinking about midfield for, for a Bielsa system is just ability and the, the capacity, uh, sorry, m- mobility, the capacity to get around uh, on the field um, in, in, in ways that will allow them to involve themselves in, in the press, but also get forward. And um, I, I, yeah, his ball carrying is, is fantastic. And you can see that he would obviously add something to this Leeds team that we don't really have at the moment. And um, obviously not being the same level as uh, as Buendia means that his value is much, much lower. And so it makes him, a, I think, a much more um, sensible option. But uh, Josh, what's your take on on Fevre? Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, I, I think uh, the, on the ball carrying thing and the sort of similarity to um, Rodrigo de Paul in that sense, I think um, he's a little bit less um, hero ball uh, than RDP, as in I feel like... Uh, with um, Udinese, it's it's almost like get the ball to Rodrigo de Paul and let him just run with it, and that's basically our that's our whole attacking process. Um, whereas I, I feel like uh, Fevre is a little bit more um, sensible in in his choices of when to try and uh, beat a man, and it's not like every single time he gets the ball, it's like right. I'm going to take on three players and, and go directly towards the goal. Um, so I think out of all of these, I think he's the one uh, who would add to our team the most in terms of ball carrying. Um, I I would have liked to have seen his um, expected assists maybe a little bit higher uh, in, in open play. Uh, when I've gone back and, and watched um, a lot of the chances that he's created, Quite a few of them are from uh, set pieces, um, but yeah, that those shot creating actions. That's that. That's not always meaning that he's played the final, um, the final pass. Often it's the the action before the the actual um, chance uh, is created. So he he might have dribbled and then played the ball to a fullback who then crosses it. Um, so he he's obviously adding a lot to to uh, to Brest, and I think he I think he would fit in perfectly with us. Another thing that I haven't mentioned actually that I was impressed about was his movement off the ball, both attacking and mm. defensive situations. I think he's he's a smart player, and you could see, you know, in the same way that Joe was saying, Wendy would easily fit into the rotations and interchanges that you see in in possession that leads. I could see remain forever being able to do that as well um and so i was yeah really pleasantly surprised by how how good i wasn't expecting him to be not good uh, by any means but um when i have been watching him i i do think that he would be a a really really adequate player to to have in that in that um in that position and i think just he he's also like even just physically quite a bit more um uh i i guess chunky than i was expecting him to be um he's he's quite a he's quite a unit um 
and I, I guess I expected him to be because because as you said he nominally plays on in the wide areas um, to to be a little bit more slender and slight. But I do think he's he he, he would offer a, a decent physical presence in that in those two eight slots as well. And I I quite like the the idea of having a player like that as well. And for me the whole the whole thing of approaching this attacking eight is who who can you get in there who's going to be fine in terms of the pressing and then add something on top of that in terms of the creativity. And and I was really impressed. Uh, impressed by that yeah he's got um he, transfer marks have him down as playing six different positions this season um which i mean across sort of the midfield and, and attacking line and the thing that i quite like is that you know you'll you'll see players cut in always cut inside on their favored foot whenever roman Favre is playing on either flank he's always cutting inside it's not that he prefers to go down the wing on on his on his favored foot um it's not that he's cutting inside all the time. Uh, it's not that he's, he's 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 interchanging based on which side he starts on. He's always the player that's coming inside, which to me, and the fact that he is just a lot more, I think, yeah, chunky, upright is probably how I how I describe it. You know, where you've got Buendia, who's got quite a low centre of gravity, um, Alise and and the and Gallagher, obviously the other player, and in this list, um, I think they're very much the same. They look they did just appear a little bit hunchbacked at time at times, perhaps when they're pressing. But with with Favre, he just seems a lot more um, assured and, and upright in that in that regard. But yeah, I'm I'm I think he's he'd be very good. And he wouldn't be high profile enough. I think that's one of the problems with with Rodrigo de Paul. Can you imagine spending X amount of money on on de Paul and then him not being able to get in the team because Matthias Click has got some has gone through a good patch of form or Rodrigo? You know, I think it he Roman Five would be a good sort of middle ground that to, to sort of um, see so, to ease the transition that that Click will be leaving this team or rather his influence will be waning as it goes on. Um, but without sort of having to completely cast him off over the course of the summer when at the moment he is effectively on course to play in every single game this season. So, yeah, I think Favors, yeah, I'd love to see Buendia, but it's just the, the attainability. I think would you, you could probably get for 10, 15 million less and you wouldn't be losing 10, 15 million in value, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think my feeling... I've got maybe slightly different feeling with him defensively to to two of you, but that maybe means that I'm wrong. But I, I think I'll put it out there anyway. But I I thought that his pressing was good, but I had a few questions over his defensive fundamentals. I feel like he he'd get to the man and then be beaten a a, a little bit too easily. Um, I think I'd I'd hope that that could be improved, but I just that's something that I wanted to say. That's my like one little question mark uh, about him. I think but I with do any agree. sorry, Josh. I, th- I think with any um any player that you're bringing into this Bielsa system, you want to bring somebody in who is going to require the least amount of coaching in that preseason. You know, you want to bring somebody in who's got those as many fundamentals as possible. So if you know he's he's got the mobility as. Uh, as John mentioned, um, you know, if he's got the creative nous that that we that we know that is needed in that position, um, if he's got the the aptitude for the pressing, I think that's good because then the application can be improved, can be worked on. I think you've got an issue when the aptitude yeah. for the pressing isn't there, um, yeah. which I don't think that there's an issue for. But I think, I mean, I didn't I didn't look too intently at because I was sort of taken aback by just how much defensive work he was getting through. Um, so I wasn't perhaps looking as as intently as, as Josh had did there but um yeah I think 
system by system, things will be things will change, things will differ. But um, I think it's it's a it's a concern that I think you you're absolutely right to have. I think you you'd be validated with that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, again, I was talking mainly about his defensive work. And um, I guess then the question is, as you said at the beginning, scalability. Can can you get him to a position where he is doing um, doing the pressing in the way that Marcelo Bielsa wants? And, you know, the... Uh, kind of comes down to me a little bit for in the same way that I come down on it with, with, with Rodrigo Moreno, which is, I think that Marine uh, Rodrigo Moreno actually looks like he presses quite well. Um, but I don't think he's a good presser. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the issue with some of these players that we're looking at. They don't press that much because they're not required to. Uh, and then I guess the question that we're, we're asking is if we were to up them up the, the their pressing, would they, would they look the, the way that, Rodrigo Moreno does or would they look like a, a better presser of the ball uh, so someone like Mateus Click and um, uh, I, I again I would I would bow to your knowledge of, of Febra because I've not watched him as much as you have but um, I, I wasn't particularly worried about that uh, question of scalability um, but I, I think again we're, we're I'm conscious of time so let's let's move <laughs> on to uh, my player so my player is Conor Gallagher who is a player I've ad- admired from um, I, I, I'd, I'd say afar but I don't think that's necessarily the correct uh, um, metaphor but I, I first came across Conor Gallagher when he was on loan at Charlton Athletic when I was doing a bit of press work there um, so I watched him a few times in um, person which I think is an important thing to do with someone like Conor Gallagher because of so much of what he does is is off the ball in, in out of possession phases. Um, Conor Gallagher I think is probably the best presser um, out of all of these players that we're looking at. Um, um, I'll just run through his career to date. So he's a Chelsea player. Um, he's one of the Cobham Academy uh, graduates, um, although technically still still there, but he's he's had loan spells. And I guess last season he was at Charlton Athletic for half a season and then went to Swansea City for half a season. And this season he's been at West Brom. And so it's quite tricky to, I found it quite tricky anyway, trying to guesstimate what he would look like in this lead side because um, 
all of those all of those teams are different uh, and a couple of them are, are quite defensive teams so Charlton he was playing quite deep he was he was almost playing as a defensive player in in their system he then went to Swansea City where he became a, a sort of an attacking player and he only had half a season at both of those sides to to really adjust so uh, the very fact that he sort of stood out to me in in both those spells I think is indicative of something uh, and then yeah, this season he's played at West Bromwich Albion. Um, he's sort of tended to play a four-one-four-one, and he's played one of those eights in that system. So it's a fairly similar system to the one that we've seen. He's had twenty-three Premier League appearances, which I think is pretty impressive for a twenty-one-year-old. A couple of goals, a couple of assists. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get too much into West Brom because you've probably spent most of your season trying not to watch West Brom, but um, <laughs> most people will have a good idea of, of, of what to expect from from West Brom. Um, in terms of the, the 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 data, looking at his numbers, obviously the it's the pressing that, that stands out. Um, last season he was he was doing seven high pressing actions per ninety, which is well above uh, above the average. This season he's doing twenty two point six pressures per ninety, which is Leeds United levels of, of pressing uh, and you only have to watch him to see just how good he is uh, at pressing. Um, other than that, the things that stand out for me are, I think this season he's been pretty good on the ball. He's um, he's doing 1.3 dribbles per 90 and at a success rate of just under average, about 62%. But he, I think he's a player who's good on the ball. He he does hold the ball up quite well uh, and can move the ball, ball down the field. But I guess the other thing that when you look at his data, he just doesn't have much creative output at, at all across both of these seasons, really. And uh, a lot of that I would put down to... Um, I suppose the fact that he's playing in teams who aren't necessarily the most creative teams. I should say that last season he did get 0.17 expected assists per 90, which is pretty decent outlay for for a a player who played at uh, Swansea City for for the majority of the time. Um, But the big question for me with Gallagher is, you know, he does everything that you would want him to do in the defensive side of things. The question is, what's he going to be doing in terms of the the creative output? Does he um, have enough to to really add to to the stuff that he does off the ball? And I suppose my my question to you guys at, at the end of this will be: Would you see Conor Gallagher as someone who actually might be better in the other eight position, maybe the, the slightly more holding position rather than the creative position? Um, but we'll we'll get to that. Just a few things, just a few scouting comments that I made as I was watching. Um, in terms of pressing, I've said he's he's one of the best pressing players uh, that I've seen in especially in in this series. He's a really really good uh, presser. He can he combines excellent mobility with smart movement. Um, sometimes I think he can be a bit too aggressive when he's pressing. He does give away a lot of fouls, which I don't think is necessarily an issue. But I do feel as though sometimes he could win the ball more by pressing smarter, so not being quite as aggressive as he as he is. Um, Given his mobility and his ability to press, he's obviously excellent in transition. So I don't think there's any issues there. Um, in terms of his positioning, I thought, you know, because he is so able to move on the field, he's maybe not the most positionally aware player, but it's hard to tell for me whether or not that's because he isn't smart positioned or if it's just because he doesn't really need to. He can make up for it in his uh, athleticism. Um and so, yeah, I guess the the long and short of it for me is whether or not I think he obviously fits Leeds defensively. Um, I would maybe have a, a few questions about maybe whether or not the raw materials um, could be could be improved so that he's a really really good pressing player. And look, regardless of what we decide um, 
tonight about who we should get for this position. I, f- I feel as though he's the sort of player that Leeds should be looking for. I think Leeds should be ad- admitting the fact that they have developed a team which can press uh, man mark and and p- play in that sort of, sort of way. And so they should be looking for value in the market by finding players who are really good pressers and then trying to work out how they fit into their team rather than necessarily going about it the other way around. Um, on the offensive side... Um, Progressive passing, I think, is potentially a weakness for Gallagher. I think he's an okay passer of the ball, but he does tend to be quite conservative in his passing. He takes a lot of passes out wide, and he also, when it comes to passing into the box, he's much more likely to cross it into the box than to try and find a through ball. Um, Obviously, that comes with a caveat of that he's played at teams where I maybe suspect that the you know you wouldn't necessarily expect a team like West Brom to be the most um exciting progressive team in terms of uh, in terms of creativity so that is there as a caveat uh, but I didn't see as much progressing as I would probably want um in terms of the carrying I, you know I think he's a good ball carrier I think he's pretty um press resistant he fi- he wins fouls really well actually as a as a side note but sometimes I feel as though he's a, a player who doesn't move the ball through pressure so much as alleviate the pressure by winning fouls, which I think again is it's fine if you if you want to do that. But I would like to see someone who can carry the ball through pressure as well, and you can um, and you can get into the next phase of play with the opponent off the on the back foot rather than being able to ready themselves for a set piece. Um, I've I've added wide play because I think the eights do need to be able to play well in wide areas I think he's fine in wide areas as I've said he does like to cross the ball so I think he would be fine getting him to those um those triangles that Lee's like to get into where the fullback and the um and the winger interchange with the the, the ball near um centre midfielder so I don't think there would be any issues there um it just comes down to as I've said creativity is Connor Gallagher creative enough for Leeds and I guess as I've said this only really matters so much if you want him to be a creative outlet um I think for me, Leeds probably need to have a good presser uh, or the ability to play a good presser in that sort of position um, ahead of someone who's really creative, given that they have uh, Rafinha. But then I suppose if you are going to have a player like him that's going to play mainly for his pressing ability, then shouldn't we just play him alongside a more uh, a creative attacker um, would be my position. So that's the the long and short of my of my take on, on Connor Gallagher. <clears throat> I wondered what you, you two uh, made of that. Hobbsy, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um... I think it's fair to say the other three players are maybe a bit more um, Pablo-like and Gallagher's a bit more uh, click-like. Uh, so I could I could actually see a midfield with him and Rodrigo uh, together uh, and I'd feel a lot more comfortable about Rodrigo in midfield because I would know that uh, that Gallagher's going to put in all that all that work um, pressing wise, whereas um, I think Click just seemed to. I don't know what happened there, but it, it felt like that that partnership didn't work uh, at all, really. But I feel like it could um, with Gallagher, perhaps because he's a bit more fresh uh, than Click is now. Um, and I also don't think that he's a type of player who wants to um, be ahead of the ball all the time. Um, whereas I think after Click played in the more attacking role earlier in the season, it's like he, him and Rodrigo were both ahead of the ball all the time. Uh, so when we were turning it over, we were we were in trouble. 
um yeah i i mean i'm seeing a few uh things coming up on the screen of people saying he's more box to box and not so progressive which obviously you you mentioned uh, in your uh overview and that is definitely true um but yeah perhaps it frees us up with rodrigo and with rafinha uh, and potentially i mean in our next episode we're going to talk about someone uh, to create more attack more from the left uh, in a different way to Harrison. So if you have all of those options, then you're happy to have Gallagher in the middle and a more perhaps a solid middle. Mm. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. What about you, EJ? What's your, your general take? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he's a, he's a tailor-made Leeds player for some role in this Leeds team, but I don't think it's this role. I think he is, I mean, essentially what the comments have been saying, you know, the guys in the comments have got it spot on. You know, he is perhaps less attacking inclined than the other players that we've listed. Um, I think as well in terms of pro- ball progression, that was my my one big concern was, you know, are you going to, uh, you're not, go- I mean, I, I, I asked the rhetorical question, but I'm just going to answer it because you're not going to get that with him. I mean, I I know there's there's the caveat that he's he's essentially this season just been a disruptive body. He's just been a, a player in a system, um, just there to grind out results as much as possible. There's not been any real opportunity for ingenuity apart from the likes of Matias Pereira. So I think it's a little bit presumptuous of me to predict how he would fare in a team where he's given possession much more frequently. But I mean, there is there is some scalability. I think you know you you took him from that Charlton team where he was playing sort of on the left of a four three one two in the in the three in midfield, um, and then put him into Swansea's team as a more of an eight slash ten, and his his creative numbers went up massively. And that's because you know he was playing in a better team. He was playing up closer to goal. Something that he was he he showed he was able to to do while with um with Charlton. But I think. In terms of for, for one of these eights, I don't think he's tailor-made for that role specifically. I think if there was, I mean, I said it about Roman Favre that I think his perfect position in this Leeds team would be in the three-three-one-three. I think Gallagher's perfect role in this three-three would be would also be in the three-three-one-three. Um, perhaps as one of the left-sided or right-sided uh, midfielders in that second line of three. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the wide areas, John, because. I think at Charlton, I think I, I I thought he was okay. I you know he was passable, um, but yeah, true as you were saying, you know this, you know the you can be passable at a lower half championship team and be quite clearly the best player in the in in the in the team. But it's a different kettle of fish when you're you're coming into a team who are rightly so pushing for a top ten place in the Premier League. So yeah, I think he wouldn't be my first choice. But if the if the opportunity was there to get him on the cheap. I wouldn't turn it down. Hmm. My hot take is that if Conor Gallagher was a Leeds player and Bielsa turned up um, and Calvin Phillips wasn't there, then we might even have seen Gallagher being played in that Calvin Phillips role Um, just because I see him as being such a good sort of mobile defensive player that I think he would probably fit in that system. So I, I guess for me, having watched a lot of Gallagher this week, my I would maybe have put him in the in the last week's episode as as an eight who can maybe cover for Calvin if, if he's needed to be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I um, accept accept everything that has been said. And um, yeah, it was it was good fun to watch Gallagher play because he's someone who I, I quite like and um, um, had, had had suggested that Leeds might go for him if, if they did stay in the championship um, a little bit longer. But um, let's move on 
Josh, do you want to do your final player? So your final player is Michael Elise, who is a yeah. very exciting player. Um, so yeah, off you go. Yeah, so I love uh, Elise, as as John said. I've um, I've been putting out the propaganda all season. So if you don't know him, uh, he's he's nineteen. Uh, I've been looking into it, and he's the um, the teenager with the second most amount of minutes uh, in the Premier League and the Championship uh, this season, second only to um, Bukayo Saka. He's got six goals and 10 assists uh, in 2,818 minutes. Uh, the first thing that stands out when you watch him, he's just got an incredible left foot. Um, he has been playing uh, in a central attacking role, uh, central attacking midfield role, and also off the right-hand side, uh, which is a bit of a common theme <laughs> amongst, amongst players. But the thing that really stands out is he drops into sort of deeper, wider areas uh, and into the half space so that he can open up the pitch uh, to play uh, to play through balls. Uh, he's he's managed to play uh, Lucas Joao uh, in on goal for one-on-ones, I think three or four times this season from through balls from within his own half where he's just ducked inside ducked inside a man uh, and played a played an incredible ball and he just seems to weight them perfectly uh, so that Joao can run straight onto them um and that's that's been one of my favorite things uh, to watch so he's got the incredible vision to see that pass and then the technique to actually uh to actually play it uh, as well as those kind of passes um he he's got great ability to really whip the ball in uh, if he does uh, come into that half space where he'll then cross, which I think you'll see Click do that quite a lot uh, when he plays a bit further forwards. He obviously crosses with his right foot, um, which changes the angle of it. But uh, Elise with his left swinging it to the back post, um, which I think that would be an interesting uh, weapon to have in our team. Obviously, Rafinha does do that as well. But um, again, interesting to see how they might sort of rotate uh, if they were playing together. Um, so he's not someone who, when he's playing um, in the central role, who sort of moves laterally a lot. Um I don't think he sort of buzzes around between the lines. He more comes deep to get on the ball. Uh, likes to get touches early on. Uh, and as I said, that's why he then sort of plays those passes from deep. He's a really nice uh, dribbler, um, not sort of really high volume uh, dribbler, but he likes to basically take on a man so that he can then play the pass. Um, my big question over him uh, is his defensive work rate so we're obviously we've talked a lot about how uh, that's a big um thing that you need to have to to basically be in this list um but he's the youngest so i feel like um i feel like he could um grow in that perhaps more than some of the others but they don't maybe don't need to as much but my feeling is that um he does press the ball, but then he doesn't uh, 
I don't think that he works relentlessly to actually win it. So if if a player is going to beat him, I think he kind of gives it up a little bit too easily. That's That was my main feeling there. Um, I feel he can do quite a, a lot of the stuff that Buendia can uh, on the ball, but he's not, not as two-footed as Buendia. I'd say, in fact, he's quite one-footed. Uh, his left foot is amazing, but you hardly ever see him use his right. His expected assists, uh, not not as high uh, as Buendia. I think he's actually, is a, is we had a funny little uh, discrepancy between Statsbomb and Scout, but Stat, um, Scout have him much closer to Buendia uh, in terms of expected assists, but Statsbomb have him at 0.12, which is a lot lower. But I think that's because he creates, when he creates chances, they tend to be pretty, like big chances, one-on-ones, but he's not a volume player in the same way that Buendia is, who just he's sort of relentless in his chance creation. Um, so that's I think those are the things. He's not as um, as much of an an output, uh, sorry, a volume player, uh, and his pressing uh, is is the real difference between him and Buendia for me. He really reminds me of Pablo Hernandez. I'll be honest. Um, just he, a player who likes to drop deep, a player who um, obviously has that ability to to create and play those those passes from deep as well. Uh, also, a player who you know looks energetic in the press, even if maybe they aren't the most effective pressers as well. I don't know if you agree with that analogy, but it, it, he did seem uh, to be a sort of similar uh, uh, analog to someone like Pablo Hernandez. I think he's like him in in that sense of. Pablo would get lots of his touches like in and around the centre circle. Come, He would come deep to get the ball. He would not wait in that sort of classic 10 position uh, for someone to play a line-breaking pass to him. He w- he wants to come and get it and get on the ball as often as he can. Um, and yeah, I think uh, he's got that sort of... He's graceful in the way that he moves, which I think is like Pablo. Um, but yeah, I'd... As I said, I've just got that 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 little niggling question around the around the pressing. I don't know what you think, Joe. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. I think if I was going to, to, to I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to give the game away here, but if if I was going to put one of these players fourth in my list, I'd put, put, probably put Elise fourth because I think first and foremost he's probably more he's much more of a ten um, than than an eight. Uh, which means that you probably aren't going to be able to play Rodrigo alongside him. If you gave me the option of playing Elise or Rodrigo in the Premier League, I'm, I'm going to go with Rodrigo um, because the, the step up from the championship is massive. Um, I think the defensive output, yes, yeah, as you say, does it match the likes of Ferv, Bondia, Gallagher? No, it doesn't. Um, I'm not so sure that, it, that in terms of the, the pressing scalability, sort of the fundamentals for this Bielsa team would be... Um, would translate uh and i think with 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 pablo you know you you know you're getting top 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 level creative ability so that you know that you can probably pick up a bit of his slack in terms of the defensive output whereas with elise i don't think he's going to be you know i I don't think you're going to cut him cut him as much slack essentially i think there are a lot of ticks you know there's 
Um, you know, as you mentioned, those through balls for Lucas Zhao, you think his ball striking from range in particular is excellent. He's a set piece alternative. Um, mm. And, you know, and I know what you said about he's not a volume player, but most 19 year olds aren't playing this many minutes. Um, so I think any volume, any output at this point is, is pretty encouraging. So yeah. I think there are plenty of ticks, but I'm still putting him at the bottom of my list. Uh, and that is even without taking into account the fact that um, allegedly uh, he has an £8 million release clause, but um, not to, to to piss on any bonfires, but I think I think that, that may be a little bit of porkies, but we'll see. It, we'll see come the summer, essentially, won't we? Mm. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I think everything you you say there is is true. Um, I, I think I think he yeah I think he is he is playing as a ten um, because um, Reading have got um, Rinomota and uh, Josh Laurent um, behind him basically yeah picking up the slack uh, and I think if he was playing for for Leeds. Um, yeah, maybe he wouldn't. He wouldn't have that that slack unless perhaps uh, Dallas is still in there, uh, and we're sort of he's sort of covering a little bit of that uh, defense uh, defensive work uh, zonally. Um, I would say yeah, he's probably the biggest uh, project player out of out of any of these. He's obviously the youngest, so it's one where you're thinking we're we're buying him more for the future, but we think he can make a contribution this season um, more so than uh, he's going to come and play the majority of the minutes. Because as you say, um, yeah, Rodrigo's more <laughs> already there, whereas um, Elise's got, got a, still a long way to go. It does feel to me as though, Elise could be a, a younger Rodrigo in that sense, and we've already got a Rodrigo, and it, we're struggling enough as it is with that. So, um, I suppose you don't want to run the risk of, of ending up with the same sort of situation. But um, again, I'm conscious of the time, so let's talk quickly about honourable mentions. Josh, you had a couple of players, I think, that you wanted to uh, give yeah. honourable mentions to. Yeah, so a couple that uh, looked at that we didn't end up picking. Uh, so uh, I can never say his first name right, but I I um, heard in commentary someone call him Nathan Nandes, but I'm pretty sure it's not Nathan Nahitan. Don't think that's how you say it either. But <laughs> Nandes <laughs> of Cagliari, uh, ex of uh, Boca Juniors, um, he's someone that had been linked with us a bit last summer. Uh, I don't know how reliable those those links were, or whether it was just one of those. Um, He's previously played in Argentina, so therefore Bielsa must want him. Um, but he uh, he's a really nice player style-wise uh, for for this. Uh, he he looks <laughs> like Pablo in terms of build. I think he moves like him, but um, he's basically being played as a wing back uh, for Cagliari now. So I just thought I, I think this is this isn't quite going to be the right fit. Uh, so I ignored him. Uh, and the other one uh, that I've got here is Orkan Kokchu of Feyenoord. Um, again, he's been linked. Again, perhaps some fairly unreliable sources. Uh, I've watched him a bit um, in the Eredivisie. And I, I do like him, but I don't think he's 
uh, anywhere near ready uh, at this point. And the um, some of the prices that I saw quoted for him were way beyond what I would want to spend on him. Yeah. So this brings us to the the moment of truth, the decision. Um, I'll pull up the players and the values. So we've got this is the values on five yards. Um, we've got Buendia at twenty eight million, Elise at thirty one million. Which yeah, I, I can see Joe <laughs> sweating uh, slightly there. Um, Roman Favre at twenty million, and then Conor Gallagher at twenty six. Uh, obviously, those two youngsters. I think their value is slightly inflated because obviously. Um, Five yards looks at a player's career output, and so given they're right at the beginning of their career, their their values will be a little bit higher, maybe. Um, but let's yep. start with you, Joe. What's what's your ordering? We we know that you've got Michael Elise last because <laughs> you've told us many times. Um, what what's your ordering ahead of that? I'd just like to stress that I have no nothing against Michael Elise. I just think that there are better options, uh, more rounded <laughs> options. It's nothing personal. Okay, so you've got the player you hate at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I just if, if we never saw him again, that would just that would do me right. <laughs> but uh, I think Elise fourth, uh, and now that I've seen the price, <laughs> can I put him fifth? <laughs> like, can we put Victor Order himself fourth? Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd you put, put Rodrigo de Paul fourth if you want. <laughs> no, Alise no, no. Fifth. I think we'll be we'll be keeping Michael Elise fourth in that case. But um, third, I'm going to go with with Conor Gallagher. I think the the attacking output. Um, I, I've got too many reservations on in that regard. Uh, and the top two by by country mile are, are definitely Buendia and, and Roman Favre. Um, I think Buendia would be my favourite um, because. He's uh, he's he, he's done it. He's done it for longer, essentially. Um, and you know, you can't argue with his numbers across the board this season, last season, the season before. Um, and discipline issues, however, they, however re- um, relevant they may be, I think cast them aside because you just get so much more from him. Um, so I'm going Buendia one, Favre two. Um, despite the fact that I think Favre will be perhaps a little bit more attainable in real life. Hmm. Josh, how about you? What's your order? Yeah, I think um, uh, I just love Elise too much, so I can't I can't put him fourth. Although I think <laughs> Joe Joe's right in everything that he said. Um, so I'm going Gallagher fourth, Elise uh, third, and then I yeah I agree with the with the top two. Um, Fevre is definitely um, the more attainable, um, and I would be delighted uh, if if we do sign him. But this is our game, uh, and I'm signing. <laughs> I'm signing Emi Buendia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to have any disagreements with. with I'm not going to have any disagreements with that anyway. Um, Buendia for me is just the, the absolute perfect player for. for you at position. least make the call, don't you? Like if you're if you're Orta, yeah. you you phone them up and you say, what what do you want for him? And if they say no, then you go, okay, we move on. Yeah, we move. Yeah, on and third. I guess that's the point of the list, isn't it? You start with yeah. the absolute best players at the top and you work your way down them um and if the, the top player turns you down then you go to number two so i have no problem exactly. whatsoever going Wendia one uh Favre two uh and then yeah either way with the other two i'd probably go with gallagher slightly ahead of elise just because i think that gallagher is probably a little bit more adaptable a bit more multifunctional um in in this systems uh, in the lead system as things stand so i think you'd, you'd be able to use him somewhere um without any without any issue so um yeah i think that that means that we are buying emmy buendia with the with the uh, caveat that we know that he's he's pretty probably going to be unattainable this summer but um he would be for me the perfect player to to put in that position so here we are at the end of uh, of another episode of um 
of Walter's List. I hope you guys have all enjoyed it. Thank you for the guys who were in the comment stream. Um, it was nice to see your comments coming through as we were talking. Always good to have that interaction. So um, look forward to having you back again in two weeks. Um, so that brings us to the end of this episode. And as I say, we'll be back uh, in two weeks' time. We'll be talking about uh, wingers. Uh, I think right-footed wingers, are we going to be that specific? Right-footed left wingers, yeah. Yeah, okay, there you go. Very specific. Hmm. So get thinking um, um, and do your own scouting and see if you can pick as many as uh, pick as many of the ones that we pick as, as you can. Uh, but until then, if you're finding out interested in finding out more about Five Yards, do check out their website. So go to fiveyards.link forward slash A-S-A-W. And so here we are at the end. All that remains for me to do is to say thank you, Joe. Oh, thank you very much for having me on again. It's uh, an absolute pleasure. Always enjoy doing these uh, scouting chats. It's um, yeah, it's 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 what I call my social life these days. So um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been very very enjoyable, and I, I'm very much enjoying the uh, the point scoring system at the end where the rankings um, come in because I think I, I like to imagine that's how Eurovision's done. Um, and uh, <laughs> But, uh, it's it's a bit it's a bit less diplomatic perhaps but yeah um I'm, i've thoroughly enjoyed it thank you for hosting me again lads mm. and michael at least i definitely getting null point from you <laughs> um, we haven't mentioned scouted football so it, it would be good to to say that we, we haven't held up this the, the handbook i don't have it to hand actually but uh, scouted football do do excellent handbooks i've in fact really enjoyed your podcast last week with uh, orlando uh, talking about cobham academy and there was a mention of conor gallagher in there as well so oh look look at hobsey my yeah. beautiful my beautiful glamorous assistant um, <laughs> <laughs> so do check out scouted football um what's the do you know what the twitter handle is uh, at scouted ftbl to, uh, so to do follow. check them out and see what's going there, yeah. there might and, there might be a uh, profile on one of these players that we've talked about written by written by me in the next one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, perhaps a, I can neither. I can't tell state secrets like there that. Might I can't. Be, there might be. <laughs> can't say who. Can't say who. Mm. And uh, Joe also had a really good tactical preview up for the Manchester City game as well up on Leeds Live today. So do check that out. I think we've retweeted that on our channel. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Josh Hobbs, do you want to push anything or just uh, w- watch the next episode, guys? <laughs> 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 well that's brilliant it's been a really good fun chatting to you both and uh, really good fun uh, presenting this for all of you guys out there so do tune in two weeks time and we'll see you then cheers planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 